Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everyone, to a very happy and uh, joyous edition of BAM's Radio. As Alabama successfully has burned to the ground Tiger Stadium yet again and paid property taxes in Red Stick, uh, I'm your host, Judy Armand, along with our producer extraordinaire and co-host, Thomas Watts, and also our third amigo, Mr. William Redfish Barger, from 89 to 93, a member of the Crimson Tide, of, of course, a national champion in 1992, and an insider that is still very close to that program. And all of us told everybody that we thought that Alabama was the big favorite over the Bayou Bengals. Some listened, some didn't. And, of course, uh, it was a rude awakening for Ed Ogeron and his program yesterday. And I'll bring in William Redfish Barger. William, I hope you're having a good evening. And certainly uh, it was a mismatch. We all kind of thought they had that potential to be, and it certainly played out that way on Saturday night in Baton Rouge. Yeah, you know, Drew, I, I felt like Alabama, I think my final prediction was Alabama would win by 24 to 28 points. Um, I, I did expect them to, um, you know, put up more points right. uh, than they did. And, I, you know, I expected LSU to at least score. Um, so, <laughs> so I guess, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, maybe I was a little bit disappointed. I mean, I, I'm sitting there trying to ask myself, how, how can I be disappointed in basically a – a 600-yard, 30-point win, basically. But, um, you know, I thought the defense just really showed up. Um, you know, you, you saw Mac Wilson and Dylan Moses answer a lot of doubters' questions about their ability as inside linebackers. Um, you know, I, I had talked to um, a good friend of mine, um, I think before we talked uh, last Sunday night, and, you know, he works for one of the biggest agents in the country, or in the world, actually, and, uh, you know, he, he said that, you know, all the NFL GMs were, uh, you know, quipping about, you know, Quentin Williams possibly playing his way into the top 10 um, of the NFL draft. I think last night he possibly might have played himself into the top five. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, no I, doubt. Just, 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 you know, really, it was, it was a, a – you know, I guess the way I could sum it up in 30 seconds, Drew, it was a great team win. Um, you saw what, what has really been happening since 2007 between the two programs. You know, Nick Saban has taken, uh, you know, the Alabama program on an annual basis where they're better than everybody else on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Um, where LSU used to be able to match up well in that department, it's gone by the wayside in the last 10 years. Uh, no comparison to both programs on both sides of the line of scrimmage, and that's how football games are won and lost. Um, you know, I thought that uh, you probably saw a, a, a B-level type performance um, from Tua Tungavailoa. Um, I, I will continue to say that I think that knee injury is a lot more serious than, than what's been reported in public. But at the same time, as a former offensive lineman, let me say this. Um, you know, despite the fact that the young man is gone prior to the knee injury versus Arkansas when he was a 75% passer, um, he's now a 68% passer. To me, I, I've grown a much deeper level of respect for him, A, to be able to play through that, number one. And in my opinion, last night, I thought that was a B-level performance from Tua Tungavailoa. But guess what? His B performance is much better than everybody else's A game. And, uh, you know, I think that was probably the reason why you saw that point total despite the offensive production. Um, you know, over 200 yards rushing, uh, close to 300 yards passing. Uh, but obviously his accuracy has been affected by this, you know, knee injury, whatever level it is. Uh, but, but just, you know, again, it, it's amazing to me to see um, you know, how Nick Saban can, can, you know, build a program, sustain it. Um, there's nobody else close in college football that can churn out year after year, 
um, elite units on both sides of the line of scrimmage, and that's what you saw last night. You know, you saw Jonah Williams and Deontay Brown opening up uh, garage-level type holes on the left side of the offensive line. Um, you know, everybody, you know, is, is scratching their head as to why Alabama doesn't already have, you know, two 1,000-yard rushers at running back. Well, it's real hard to do that when you play four running backs every game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the 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 level of play, and I think to me, um, Drew, the, the the thing that really you know makes me admire, respect, and have a lot of you know positive vibes on this this team this year is I, I really feel like it's probably the best overall team um, that I've seen Nick Saban produce. You know, when you see Mac Wilson out there uh, balling out last night, the way that he was doing. Um, with, with a lot of Alabama fans questioning whether he should be the guy. Um, you know, he's doing it with a broken foot. You know, him and you could tell him and Dylan Moses knew where that ball was going before the ball was snapped uh, based on formation recognition. Um, you know, you, you saw where, um, you know, LSU thought they had the best DBs in the country. Um, but that got exposed a little bit last night. Um, you know, the way I look at it going forward is, you know, I, I almost wish, um, you know, the, the football guys would just go ahead and give this team uh, the national championship trophy because nobody in college football, not even Clemson, um, is going to come within 20 points of this team. And I wish Nick Saban would be afford, afforded the opportunity to uh, focus on recruiting going forward because that's where we're at. I mean, we're, we're in – you know, never, never land here with, with the way this team is. And it, it, it's fun to watch. Um, you know, all now all of a sudden you've got everybody, oh, well, you know, this Mississippi State team, it's a threat. Well, the LSU team that Alabama dismantled last night, um, if memory serves me right, manhandled and totally dominated Mississippi State a couple weeks ago. I think the final score was, you know, 19-3. to 3. It was a manhandling. Yes. So – uh, you know, get, get out of this next weekend. Let's get into the Citadel game. You know, beat Auburn. And, and what I really want to see happen is Nick Saban dismantle second and Kirby Smart in Georgia um, in the first Saturday in, in uh, December. And then you get a chance for, you know, somebody like Tua that's got a nagging injury and some of these other nagging ones. Well, they'll have an app, you know, three weeks ready to uh, get well and get rested for the college football playoffs. Well, William, I wanted to ask you before we go into to uh, and, and you know, and, and again, we know he's not 100. percent We knew he wasn't 100 percent going in. He was healthier than he had been. But you're right. He he uh, he aggravated it on that long touchdown run, which, by the way, was just amazing to watch. You, I was thinking slide, slide, slide after he got the first down, and then you know, just opened up like the Red Sea, uh, and he showed a lot of toughness, but. First of all, before we talk about that, I wanted to talk about Deontay Brown because I really thought he was the story offensively besides Tua because you can just see as soon as he's gone into that, it was it, he kind of reminds me of when Eddie Jackson went in at, at uh, safety for Alabama. It was like flicking a switch for that defense uh, in 2016. Uh, you could just see them go to another level defensively in 2015 and 16. He was kind of the missing piece. This O-line, putting Deontay Brown inside at left guard, they, you know, Alabama struggled to run the football early in the season, but they're really starting to run it well. And I thought uh, that they ran left all night long, and he was just mauling people. I mean, he was one time he took Rashard Lawrence and almost put him on the sideline. I just wanted to see, you know, your thoughts on what we saw out of that O line last night, and especially Deontay Brown in only his second start. Well, you know, Drew, again, I'm always guilty of maybe not necessarily being in the moment, but trying to project what's going to happen down the road. And, and that, that's what I'm doing with Deontay Brown right now. I think that, again, it's, it's a credit to Nick Saban, number one, um, to, you know, relinquish the, the starter in Lester Cotton, who's a senior, you know, with a sophomore in Deontay Brown. Um, you know, that being said, you know, we're talking about, you know, by a long way, you know, the, the strongest player on the team, you know, a guy that generates power and explosiveness at the point of attack. Um, you know, I've watched the, the replay of the game three times now, and he did 
um, whiff, uh, you know, several times when he got up to the second level. Um, it wasn't from an ability standpoint. He, he, you know, he just kind of got himself out of position, uh, maybe overran the play and didn't get a hat on the linebacker. But, you know, when you, when you start watching that game last night and those runs that Najee Harris and Damian Harris and, and Josh Jacobs and even Brian Robinson had, when you go over there and you look at what Deontay Brown and Jonah Williams was doing to the LSU defensive front seven, um, it's as ugly as it gets in a good way. Um, you know, they were really, you know, taking them to task. Um, you know, I sit there and I watch play after play, waiting for Jedrick Wills to get beat over there at right tackle. It never happens. Um, but that, that's what makes this team so special. And I know so many people out there, um, you know, want to focus on, on what Tua is doing at quarterback. But, you know, th this is the bottom line, and then this is the, the absolute correct answer. He's afforded the ability to do what he's doing. It doesn't take away from him being a special quarterback. But when you look at the offensive line and the wide receivers and the supporting cast that's surrounding him, um, you know, they make that available to him. Um, you know, the Alabama defense last night, you know, made that available to him. I mean, um, unbelievable. You know, people were questioning Tosh LePoy, um, you know, after that Arkansas game when they put up 30 points in garbage time, um, you know, for, for that defense to hold them to 12 yards rushing yesterday uh, was unbelievable. I, I thought last night was um, the best team win, I guess, that I've seen all season long. You know, I thought everybody, um, you know, played a hand in it. Um, you know, there there was some even some, uh, um, you know, plays that I thought they left that on the field in the kicking game. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, I think Bernier is an upgrade over the last punter. I thought he did a great uh, job, William. I really thought he was – yes, pardon yes, me. I yes. thought he did a very solid job last night. Yes. I mean, he's better than what was there before. Um, I think Bullivus continues to grow as a kicker. Um, you know, Waddle, you can tell that kid's frustrated with that. You know, he's not getting the attempts um, at punt returns that he was getting early on. You saw him juggle the ball a few times. You know, fortunately, they didn't bounce, you know, LSU's way. But, I mean, th this is just a fun football team to watch, Drew, on, on all, you know, three phases of the football game. Well, and and I and I think I don't think people need to overreact to burn uh, to to what excuse me what both of us did last night. The first one was a botched uh, you know hold uh, by uh, by Mac Jones, and then the second one I think it was kicked low. I mean, but he did make the one field goal he attempted. He, he's had some That's issues, right. but I mean he's he's I think he's nine of thirteen overall in the field goal department. I mean he's been good enough. I mean people overreact, and the first thing they want to do is. Well, okay, we got to get rid of him. Got to get a kicker. Uh, you know, he'll be fine. You know, it's and it's it's something that uh, you know they can learn from and work on. It's something that Saban can harp on. Uh, but uh, but Bernier has definitely been a an upgrade. Uh, and I just and and Deontay, you know, of course, as you said, he hasn't been perfect, but he's certainly been an upgrade at left guard with his power and, and the way they're running the football. And and I and I wanted to also talk about what you said about Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, I, you know, you, you, I didn't expand on it. Expand on what you were saying about the toughness he's showing playing, you know, not 100% and being able to still produce like he has. Well, you know, we can get into schematics of a knee injury. You know, some people say it's a meniscus partial tear. Some people say it's a PCL strain. You know, regardless, both of them aren't good things. And you can tell it, it's bothering him and affecting him a little bit. But the fact that he continues to go out there every Saturday, um, you know, as a former offensive lineman, that, that's what you want to see from your quarterback is no fear, uh, no hesitation. You, you saw that in the, the long run that he had for the touchdown. Um, you know, I, I think the kid's got ice water in his veins. And, and, and you know, that, that, that's not me trying to say that, you know, let's go ahead and give him the Heisman Trophy and all that other stuff. It's, it's just watching how he conducts himself, and that's what impresses me. You know, you, you hear people say, well, he doesn't have the strongest arm, and I'm like, uh, what, what, what game are you watching? Um, he's got a very strong arm. 
Um, I do think his accuracy has been affected, Drew, you know, because of the knee injury. We've, we've seen that kind of play out since the Arkansas game. But like last night, I think is a perfect example. Um, you know, I thought that was a B-level performance from him based on what we've seen up to this point. But when you factor in, it was at Tiger Stadium at night in a real hostile environment. Um, you know, if that is his B-level performance, you know, God bless America and the rest of college football. They got no chance. And, um, you know, you, you see the way that the, the line opened up today um, for Alabama versus Georgia in the SEC championship game. It opened up Alabama's a 13-and-a-half point favorite over Georgia. Um, you know, and I think that is absolutely ridiculous. Um, they will beat Georgia by 20-plus points, just like they, they handled uh, LSU last night. Um, you know, Georgia's front seven is charm and soft. Um, you can pick your poison there uh, between Tua uh, throwing for 300 yards versus the Alabama running backs and the offensive line gashing them for 300 yards. Um, what I'm trying to say is this, and I think you're hearing this from, you know, national level people, um, you know, who is going to challenge this team? You know, a lot of people think it's going to be Clemson. I personally think Alabama's 20 points better than Clemson right now today, and they will be in January if that's who they face. Um, it's just – and, I, you know, I don't even know if this is the most talented team that you'll see from Nick Saban, um, you know, in the next couple of years. Hell, next year it could be better. Look at all the babies that are over there on defense. You know, the guys that think, oh, I get it, they're going to lose Quentin Williams. And there's a lot of other guys that kind of have their, you know, hat on the table to go pro. Um, but, you know, I was watching that game last night, and the thing that struck me over and over again, it was great to see um, how much they played Quentin at, at, the, at the defensive end position. Because, you know, I think putting the nose guard label on him is, is totally unfair. Um, he's so much better than just being a nose guard. But, you know, I was watching how Christian Miller was so disruptive, and he was a you know half step away from making three or four sacks. And I was sitting there going, well, you know what, Terrell Lewis would have made those sacks. So, I, you know, I don't even know, Drew, if, if next year they're not going to be better than they are now. And that's a scary thought for the rest of college football. It really is. And, uh, William, I – I wanted to read you just two as updated season stats. I've been kind of doing this, you know, after every game. And it's even with him being slightly off, and I completely agree with you. I'd give him a good grade last night, not a great one. But still, his good is a lot better than a lot of people's great. Uh, but yep. he's he's attempted 194 passes. He's completed 132. He has a 68% completion percentage, has 2,361 yards passing, 27 touchdowns, one interception, 12.17 yards per attempt, a QB rating of 215.17. He's played 10 total snaps in the fourth quarter, which was yesterday, and he has rushed 29 times for 172 yards and three TDs, and three in several of that several of those games with a with a questionable knee. So that's what Tua Tungavaloa has done thus far, and it's just been jaw-dropping to watch i mean uh, and it, both times when he's done an interception he's bounced back and in a lot of ways william that interception was like a punt last night it actually kind of helped alabama in a way but, because but no the best the best part the best part of the season absolutely yes yeah i mean it really was and of course uh, you know lsu was very lucky not to get a, a, a sack fumble touchdown when uh anthony jennings eviscerated uh, the uh, you know uh, Mr. Burrow, but uh, and then uh, some other stats to ponder. Uh, but I wanted to ask you this first before we talk about it. You, you brought up Quinn Williams and what he's doing, and I understand you know one of your teammates and really your uh, was one of the greatest of all time in my opinion, and, and John Copeland, and of course maybe the greatest duo of all time with he and Eric Curry, both of them playing several seasons in the NFL, and we're both first team All Americans. Uh, but and we talked about John Allen last year and what in and in, uh, in, in, in his career, you know, and what he did, uh, you know, uh, from and uh, and I thought he was probably the best since John when he finished in 2016. But safe to say, William, 
I don't think I've ever seen a more dominant defensive lineman in all my years watching Alabama football than Quinnen Williams. And I wanted to get your thoughts. You 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 had to, you had to block John Copeland in practice, and you had to, and you saw John Allen up close. But is is Quinnen Williams as good as we've ever seen? I mean, Drew, I think as an Alabama fan, you have to take John Copeland and Eric Curry out of the equation. Mm-hmm. And you have to start comparing him to Derek Thomas. Oh, it was um, Quinn Williams. Wow. You know, again, you know, two different players at two different positions, but they're both defensive linemen. And you're talking um, about impact, when you look too, right? At, right. Yeah, impact and, and, you know, the plays that he makes, you know, tackles for loss, sacks. You know, let's let's don't even talk about the plays that, uh, you know, he's, he's he, he was kept from making last night because he was getting raped. Um, the only one that I saw that got raped worse than him was Raekwon Davis. Oh, well, uh, and Isaiah Bugs one time too. Yeah. Well, and again, that, that 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 to me, Drew, you just brought up a, a, a great name, and this is why um, I, I think LSU fans should be really pissed off. And, and the 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 thing that people miss on why Nick Saban is doing what he's doing until whether it's Ed Ogeron or, or Matt Campbell or whoever else, uh, you know, gets the next head coaching job in Louisiana at LSU, you know, until they, they, they close the gates and they stop letting players like Isaiah Bugs and Dylan Moses, uh, Cam Robinson, you know, the, the list goes on and on, that um, they're never going to be who they want to be. Because Nick Saban strolls down to the state of Louisiana on an annual basis and pretty much get who's get get who he wants, and guess what? He's going to go back down there again this year and uh, get a pretty pretty good defensive tackle. <laughs> um, you know, we can talk about recruiting um, a little bit later, but um, you know, it's you know, Drew, let, let's put yourself into the situation that. You know, Rodney Softscher's in right now, who is uh, Ishmael Softscher's father. Right. And after watching that performance last night, um, do you want your son to become Rashad Lawrence or uh, Brandon Fijeko or whatever his name is? Or do you want him to become uh, Quinnen Williams or Raekwon Davis? It's a pretty easy decision to make. And you and I just wanted to throw these out here. Uh these stats, because uh, Quentin Williams today was named the Walter Camp National Defensive Player of the Week, and as much Alabama football as I have watched since the late 80s, I've never seen a game like this. This is for a defensive lineman and an interior one at that. Quentin Williams, his official line last night. Nose guard. Nose guard. (laughs) Yeah, 10 tackles, 7 solo, 3.5 tackles for loss, and and 2.5 sacks. And, I mean, he was just – and he was getting held half the time. So, I mean, he was defeating double teams. It was the damnedest thing I've ever seen. And he just hey, – Drew, I got, I, got, I got one better for you than that. Um, I'm pretty sure that Bugs um, got credited with at least a half a sack. I don't know if it was a half sack or a total sack last night. Right. He, he If he got credited with the whole sack, he basically by himself, who is a – you know, if you'd have asked me this last year, I would have said, you know, Bugs needs to be the nose guard. Mm-hmm. He's got to play Q, at, at, you know, at the five technique defensive end. Right. But, you know, a, a guy like Isaiah Bugs, who, who last year was, you know, kind of a heavy-legged guy, didn't change directions well, that, that would have been my guess as to who. And they even did this in the spring. They moved Bugs inside, and they moved uh, Quinn into uh, – uh, five technique uh, opposite of, of uh, Raekwon. But Isaiah Bugs, as it stands right now, has just as many sacks by himself as the whole Georgia front seven does on the season. Now, put that into perspective. And, yeah, and as we go along throughout this show and we're talking about, you know, it, 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 was it promoting Mike Loxley, the offensive coordinator? Was that the key to this season? I mean, was it hiring Josh Gaddis, who, in my opinion, um, is basically Tosh Lapoy 2.0, um, elite recruiter and elite X's and O's guy? I mean, was it bringing in Dan Enos to maybe fine-tune, you know, Tua Tungabailoa? It was hiring Craig Kuglioski as, as the defensive line coach 
and you've seen what he's done in what ten months now um, with Quinn and Williams. You see what these backup guys are doing when they when they come in. Uh, LeBron Ray, who you know I've seen a lot of Alabama fans kind of give up on him too quickly, and that's what they don't get. You know, I, I refer to it as the Jeremy Pruitt rule. I never will forget this. Uh, going all the way back to 2012. Uh, you know, him telling me, and I can't use the same language um, unless Thomas wants to edit it out. But, you know, Jeremy told me one time that, you know, the most frustrating thing about working for Nick Saban at Alabama was, you know, you get these five-star guys. And the, the ones that aren't ready immediately, um, you know, you spend two years getting them ready to uh, put them out on the field. And guess what? They explode. You get one good year out of them, and they turn pro. And mm-hmm. I think that is the most challenging thing that Nick Saban has to deal with, um, you know, as the head coach at Alabama is, you know, when you recruit at this level, that, that that's the one of the, the negative downsides of the impact is, you know, look, last year, you know, Quentin Williams was a backup. Right. Now, now um, this year in year three of his, of his tenure on campus, um, he's exploded. He's gotten coached. Um, he's got developed up, and, and they're going to get one good year out of him. The kid's going to be a top ten draft pick. That, that's hard to overcome, and I think that's why so many people kind of got frustrated, especially Alabama fans, with this defense. Um, and you saw it show up last night in a big way. Uh, but you, know, you kind of have to, you know, Drew. I, I know I have. You scratch your head and you go, okay, so how did Arkansas a month ago, you know, go for all the yards that they did, um, especially rushing? And, uh, you know, how how was Alabama able to hold LSU last night to 12 yards rushing? Um, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a um, I guess, not just a, a frustrating needle, but at the same time, you know, that's something these guys – that I think, you know, the average fan has to appreciate and understand. Um, Who thought that this defense was going to be in the position that they're at now um, in in the first week of November when you factor in, you know, Tosh LaFoy, you know, new defensive coordinator, um, all the losses that they got last year off of that defense that went to the NFL. Um, Mac Wilson's playing with a broken foot. You know, you, you've got, you know, a totally new secondary back there, which, by the way, those guys played lights out last night, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. Um, it does make it easier. You know, it does make it easier to play back there um, when, you, when you're, you you know, the quarterback's getting harassed and raped the way that he was, Joe Burrow was last night. Uh, but, you know, you see these guys develop before your eyes. I, you know, I, I did a thing today, Drew, on the website where, you know, I asked everybody to say, you know, who's your uh, most improved player um, at this point in the season? And my guy, who I think is a, a slam dunk, um, perfect example of what we're talking about, um, you know, go back to September, and everybody was dog cussing Shaheen Carter. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, they overreacted. Somebody. Right. Yeah, go find me somebody else that played a better football game last night than Shaheen Carter. Oh, I thought he played outstanding, and I, I and I and I expected Alabama's secondary to step up. I think LSU's got a very good secondary, but I think Alabama's can go with them punch for punch, and they certainly did. And I thought Alabama had a better defensive unit because of their front seven was better than LSU's, and I was proven right. I mean, LSU's got a good defense, but I think Alabama can have a very good to great defense, and. LSU's a good football team, but Alabama's a great football team. And that's what we saw yep. on Saturday when basically uh, Alabama took over, you know, uh, Red Stick and dominated in Tiger Stadium in front of what was continually called the most electric atmosphere everyone had ever seen. And it was pretty quiet in the second half, uh, really by the second quarter, because when they when everyone figured out what I had heard all week, that Alabama felt like they could run on LSU and they weren't impressed with LSU's O-line, and that's how it kind of played out. But speaking of that, I wanted to bring Thomas Watts into the conversation. Thomas, I know you were very outspoken that you thought this was going to be a mud-holing last week on the show and really throughout the weeks building up to it, and you were right once again as well. You hit it right on the head. This was really a mismatch, 
uh, and LSU was had got a rude awakening on Saturday night. Uh, yes, the, LSU deserves all the credit in the world for being a good football team. LSU deserves no credit for being an elite football team. And, you know, I stated at the start of the season and nothing changed my mind for any point in time looking at the numbers, watching tape. Like, I literally spent something on the order of 10 hours this past week looking at numbers, looking at tape, looking at anything (laughs) to say that my bravado was utterly misplaced. And the exact opposite reaction was true. You know, that there's a statement. I do another show with a friend of the show, Murph Baldwin. I said, <laughs> Alabama will have to play their worst game of the season and LSU will have to play their best game of the season for it to stay under 30. Well, that sort of bore out. Uh, personally, I think that if Josh Jacobs doesn't have a little miscommunication on the jet sweep to Jerry Judy, which blows right. up one of Alabama's drives, that's a touchdown because if you watch how that play was set up, I mean, Jerry Judy on that sweep would have been running. He would have still been running. So, you know, that, that Alabama even left some points on the field. Uh, LSU's elite defense gave up 576 yards. And, you know, it, it went pretty much how I thought it would go. I just, you know, LSU stands as much chance of beating Alabama with this coaching staff on both sides of the ball, both Nick Saban's coaching staff and Ed Orgeron's coaching staff, as the three of us do with Hoover High School. It's just not, not gonna, not ever going to be a thing. And, you know, Alabama put itself further into the conversation of the truly elite. Uh, in college football this year. I really like the Football Outsiders S&P Plus metric, and those that number is just through the roof for how good Alabama is, even though special teams, once more with feeling for the Crimson Tide, is Jesus take the wheel, our specialists are on the field again. But, <laughs> y- you know, if the worst thing that happens is you wail and gnash your teeth over two missed extra points in a 29 point win that's a pretty good day and you know LSU will maybe get there I think LSU is LSU at this point and I do think it'll be very interesting you know going forward you know spin the conversation forward a little bit Drew one of the realities that opposing fan bases are going to have to get used to is that the Two has never been in an intimidating atmosphere. This Alabama team's never been in a crazy atmosphere. You know, when they go in and play a big game, they're going to have to such an intimidating atmosphere. That narrative is dead and buried. I mean, LSU fans deserve credit for making Tiger Stadium insane. But at least for the rest of this year, Alabama won't see another crowd like that. You know, the last three games are in the friendly confines of Bryant-Denny Stadium. Then... Alabama's already beaten Georgia in the new Georgia Dome once. They can do it again. And then assuming they get through the Georgia Bulldogs, which, uh, yeah, the Georgia front seven should scare absolutely nobody that understands football. Then they'll be in Jerry World. And then I believe Levi Stadium is the site of the national championship game. So there's never they're not going to see another environment there. But, you know, overall, it's just Alabama doing Alabama things. What has Nick Saban done in his tenure at Alabama? There will be an occasional boneheaded game. And this year it was Arkansas where the defense just got a little out of sorts, couldn't adjust right, and gave up more points. But, you know, right about the time Alabama hits the Tennessee game and hits that bye week and hits LSU in the first week of November, you know, Alabama's gotten better, gotten better, gotten better. And then generally it clicks. And when it clicks... Alabama crushes people, and we have hit the Alabama crushes people part of the current college football season. And they, you know, they showed what they can do on both sides of the ball. And you know, William, I do kind of disagree. And but all I'll in terms of what teams can beat Alabama, but I'll only disagree when I say, to me, the only team that has a prayer of beating this Alabama football team this year is the Clemson Tigers. 
everybody else doesn't have the offensive firepower and at least a serviceable defense to hold Alabama under 50 or 60 in a playoff scenario that no other team like Michigan, Alabama would drop 40 on Michigan and laugh. And Michigan's a good defense. But, you know, that's that's the reality we live in. If I'm a college football fan that isn't that doesn't like Alabama, I'm praying to high heaven that Boston College doesn't upset Clemson this weekend or something crazy doesn't happen. Because if Alabama doesn't see Clemson in the college football playoff, Alabama's going to cruise to a 15 and 0 record this year, particularly given what we saw last night in Tiger Stadium, Drew. And I wanted to bring William back into this and I wanted to get both of your thoughts and uh, and I'll give mine. But there's, I heard something from Jonathan Vilma this morning, a former uh, Miami Hurricane. It was on one of the great teams in history, 2001 Miami Hurricanes, that crushed everyone. But he's made a, a, a snap judgment, and he said that Alabama's offense is great, their defense is good, Michigan's defense is great, and their offense is good, and it would be a heck of a matchup. I personally think Michigan's too slow, and Alabama would kick the ever-loving shit out of Michigan. Uh, as you said, Thomas, but I wanted to get William's thoughts. I don't know. I haven't, I, but I'll admit I haven't watched a ton of Michigan. William, I know you're from that area. You have family there. You were recruited by the Wolverines. Do you, do you, how would you see Michigan matching up with Alabama? Um, I, I don't see it as a matchup at all. Now, let me say this. I mean, I, I was a, a guy, you know, going into this season that thought that Jim Harbaugh was, you know, on his way out. Right. Um, you know, I, I've always felt like that the guy was trying to, you know, be something that, that he wasn't. And, and what he is is a tough son of a bitch and, you know, kind of an alpha male. And, and you know, I, 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 I've always been of the opinion that you be who you are. And, you know, I've always felt like, at least since he's been at Michigan, you know, he's kind of adopted some of these gimmicks that Dabo does at Clemson. And, you know, he's kind of gotten away from who he really is. And I think that's what you've seen this year. Um, you know, Michigan has a great defense. I mean, you know, that, that old bastard up there, Don Brown, give him credit. Um, he's done a fantastic job with their front seven. Um, at least in the Big Ten, they can put pressure on the quarterback. Um, you know, they, they shut running games down. And, and I fully expect them to beat Ohio State in a couple of weeks. And, you know, we'll see uh, what medical condition that Mervyn Meyer comes up with to make excuses for that. Um, they're, they've now kind of positioned themselves um, in a very hotly tested recruiting battle for who some people think is the number one overall player in the country um, um, the, the defensive end, Drew, help me out here. Is it Zach Harrison, the defensive end from Ohio? Yeah, yeah. The, you know, now everybody thinks he's going to Michigan, and you know, mm-hmm. I don't blame him for that. I'd, I'd rather go play for uh, Don Brown versus Greg Schiano, um, you know, based on what I've seen. But you know, Thomas, my, my take on the whole thing is this: um, you saw Alabama last year basically make mincemeat of Clemson with Jalen Hurts at quarterback with no threat of a passing game. Um, I have long time maintained that um, I feel like their defense is overrated. Yeah, they may have three or four first-round draft picks on their defensive line, but they don't produce that way as a unit. Um, I would much rather take Alabama's defensive line in that matchup. Um you know, Trevor Lawrence certainly is an upgrade over Kelly Bryant. you got to give Dabo Sweeney credit for, you know, making that hard decision and, and you know, telling your two-year starter to hit the bricks. But um, I, I think that Clemson has um, basically the same wide receiver set that Ole Miss does. They're back shoulder slow guys, you know, big wide receivers, uh, back shoulder throw guys. And, you know, that's great. But I, I will take Alabama's receiver core that can get separation, can, can make explosive plays um, once they get their ball, uh, the ball in their hands, and, and take it to the house. Um, and I, I think that's something that when you look at Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, Devonta Smith, uh, 
and Jalen Waddle. Um, you know, I, I'm not a you know again. There's a lot of people out there that will disagree with me, and don't get me wrong. I do think that you know, uh, because of his arm and his size, uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be a first round draft pick when he finally comes out for the pros. But he is not in the same classroom uh, with Tua Tungabailoa when he's 100% healthy. And um, I think Alabama would boat race Clemson um, if Tua is 100% healthy. And it's based on the fact that, you know, Clemson has this MO now where they're a ground and pound, um, you know, they got Travis, you know, NTN, who is a good running back, don't get me wrong. That Clemson offensive line um, is an overrated joke. I mean, I've, I've always felt like Mitch Hyatt um, was overrated as hell. He's probably going to play himself out of the first round in the draft this year. Um, look at that kid's body. It, ha it hasn't been changed since he was a senior in high school. Um, you saw what Alabama did to them defensively last year, and I, I personally think on an even playing field, if, if Tua Tungvaloa is healthy, Alabama will boat race Clemson. Well, and I wanted to bring Thomas into the th into the conversation about Michigan uh, because oh. Don Brown and uh, his defense are being lauded, but I don't see it as still a good matchup for them. I, I certainly think they can play the run, but we've seen Urban Meyer have a lot of success against them at Ohio State throwing the football. Uh, I know you know Northwestern scared the heck out of them. Notre Dame beat them. What what are your thoughts on Michigan? Well, I, I just I want to be very clear about one thing, Drew, before I answer the question, and I don't want to keep talking about Clemson, but for this this 10 seconds. Sure. I don't think Clemson's got a great chance to beat Alabama. I just think they're the only team that has enough talent and is going in the right direction to make it a competitive football game. Everybody right. else has enough deficiencies that they don't have the talent to cover up against a team like Alabama where Alabama would just run them over. I, but, I can see that. I, and I can see that. I think they're Alabama and Clemson are easily the best two teams in the country, but go ahead, Thomas. Yeah. And that, that that's really what I meant. So you, your statement perfectly encapsulated what I'm, what I was going for in terms of Michigan, Michigan deserves a lot of credit for having a very efficient defense, but I have a real problem. I have a very similar problem with the Michigan group that I had with the LSU group. Now, Michigan's defensive statistics are better than LSU's. But, you know, quickly, you know, off the top of your head, what skill position grouping, what offensive group that Michigan has played do you really – do you put in the top, you know, when I think of good, good offense, what's there? You know, maybe Notre Dame, except it was with Brandon Wimbush when Michigan played them. And the Ian Book-led Notre Dame offense has been statistically better by a fairly significant margin. Otherwise, you know, a Northwestern team that just got blasted by Notre Dame, you know, that was really a 31-7, 31-14 type of game until Northwestern blocked a punt. So I think that's a little bit of a of misleading statistic. You know, for me, when I look at the Michigan defense— what are they going to do against the Ohio State Buckeyes? Because in terms of raw star power, that game is going to be the first time that Michigan doesn't have a fairly decided talent advantage in multiple key positions that it, this season. You know, Notre Dame deserves a lot of credit. They 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 they're undefeated, and if they go undefeated, they deserve to be in the playoff. But does Notre Dame's talent, you know, explode off the screen like what Alabama's done to teams? I personally don't think so. So, you know, Michigan's got a good group of folks. I think they've really figured out how to get the most out of Shea Patterson. But if you listen to most, you know, national radio stuff, and I've gotten into listening to Sirius XM when I'm walking my dog, so, you know, I'll put on a podcast and listen for 40 minutes or some such. A lot of the discussion around Shea Patterson is he's more game manager than game changer. Well, to beat this Alabama team, you need a game changer. And if you want to talk about just general trends in college football, yes, defense does win championships. But at the ultra highest elite level, defense falls to the wayside. Well, what does that mean? Alabama's won national championships with defense. Thomas, what are you actually saying? 
think about the Alabama teams that played Deshaun Watson two years in a row. Both of those defensive football teams were loaded with first-round talent, had dudes all over the place, and Deshaun Watson was such a fantastic college quarterback that he was still able to put up yards in both games. An elite quarterback cancels out an elite defense most of the time because of the fact that the rules favor offense. You know, I don't care that they do. I don't care that they don't. That's just what I see when I watch football now. So, you know, give me the explosive offense with just enough defense as opposed to the elite defense with the game manager offense. I think the elite offense with just enough defense will win, you know, seven, eight times, seven, eight times out of ten. So I just I think Michigan Michigan doesn't want to see Alabama because I think their calling card, their elite defense that let Shea Patterson just manage the game would start getting shredded. And as that game accelerates, you'd see the Shea Patterson and Ole Miss that had to press because the Ole Miss defense is trash and Shea Patterson had to keep the offense in the game. So I just Michigan wants no part of Alabama. Any fan that says they want it. Okay, bring it on. I'll I will cash that. I will take Alabama and the points every time. And uh, I completely agree. And I just think Michigan's got a good defense. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, equate it along the same lines as LSU. And, a, and and they're a good football team, but they're not a great football team. I think Alabama would win that game by three touchdowns. I think they got a lot more speed than Michigan. Uh, Michigan's a, you know a tough-minded defense, but. The Big Big Ten football does not compare to SEC football, especially from a speed perspective. And I do think Alabama would handle Michigan, no doubt about it. Uh, and uh, and the and the bonus is Alabama's seen Shea Patterson. They've played against him. They know his uh, you know his skill set. So it's not like they haven't uh, you know seen him uh, live and on film. So I mean it, they'd have an advantage there too. And pro style offenses, give me a break. They don't match up against Nick Saban at all. Uh, I've think that would be a mismatch but the last few minutes of bam's radio i did want to uh to you know uh touch on a couple things with uh with you william uh first of all alabama 24 and a half i think point favorite over mississippi state uh this looks like another mismatch uh, you know I, I nick fitzgerald is a good runner and certainly alabama is going to have to have their minds right uh but uh, i just i don't see this matchup uh offensively as a good one for state against alabama's defense and then when you look at the other side when you look uh, at Alabama offensively against State, I think they have a better pass rush than LSU, but I still don't think their 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 back end is nearly as good as LSU secondary. I think this is going to be another blowout for Alabama. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at Drew, I mean, what what Mississippi State was unable to do versus LSU, I mean, watch that game, and when you see what Alabama was able to do versus LSU last night, um, you know, it. it you know, basically makes the decision for you. Um, you know, I think what Alabama needs to do defensively is, you know, get Dylan Moses and Mac Wilson um, w- with good eye recognition for what, what they're going to try and do. And, you know, if they're going to go, it's going to be with Nick Fitzgerald and, and his legs. So, you know, get Dylan Moses and Mac Wilson with, with you know, eye key recognition. Um, on those zone read plays where he, you know, chooses to be their best running back. And, uh, you know, it, it shouldn't be a problem for Alabama, at least on paper. Um, you know, look, we've seen Alabama come out flat um, before a- after the LSU game. Um, you know, that could happen again this week. But, you know, at the same time, it's at home. Um, Alabama's going to have some, some quality recruits there in the game. And, you know, they need to go out there. Um, you know, let, let's see what the injury situation really is. And, uh, you know, I expect Alabama to come out and take care of business versus Mississippi State this coming weekend. And what we're hearing about the injuries, and I've still heard today, is an, a high ankle sprain uh, that's hopefully not severe for Najee Harris. And it, it was tough to see him go down. And, of course, the idiot, moronic, stupid, pathetic, uh, just absolutely just I mean, just inept SEC officiating uh, when, of course, he was grabbed by the helmet or the face mask and jerked down by the great Devin White, who everybody, I guess, thought was the great best player in America who got run on all the second half when Alabama ran the ball up his ass all half. But anyway, 
they didn't call the face mask, and of course they they swallowed their whistles and and they kept their flags in their pocket the whole game after the Democratic moron James Carville and everybody bitched and whined all week, and they still got their ass <laughs> shut out. But again, I digress. Uh, you know, but Najee Harris looks like he's got you know uh, an ankle situation. Probably won't be back till Auburn is going to be my guess. They'll be able to rest him, get Brian Robinson some more reps. I thought Damian Harris had his best game. I thought Josh did a good job when given opportunities, so they should still be okay there. It looks like Ruggs has a bruised leg. Hopefully he'll be back from Mississippi State. It was tough to kind of lose him because William, as you know, he was playing great football in that first half, uh, made that one-handed catch, was you know really a weapon on the speed sweeps, and has really been getting better and better. Uh, but I, I really think uh, that, that, that Ruggs will be back sooner rather than later. So I think Alabama's pretty fortunate uh, that hopefully that, that injury situation with Najee Harris is going to be one where they can get him back in a couple weeks. I think Jalen Hurts will probably be back for the Citadel. He looked really tender last night. I don't think he'll probably be back uh, for Mississippi State, but I, I think they'll definitely try to get him back for uh, the Citadel. Uh, we'll see about that. And then Devontae Smith will be worked back more and more, as I thought. He was on a pitch count last night, was only targeted maybe once or twice. And so hopefully they can get him healthier and get him back in the mix offensively. Uh, but uh, certainly I think uh, just that that's kind of an injury update there. And I agree. I think Alabama's going to name the score against Mississippi State. I, I would say 45-10, to 10, even if they're flat. I think they can – shut down Mississippi State offensively and I think uh, make, you know, Fitzgerald beat them. And then I think even though they got a couple of good backs, I think Alabama will handle the line of scrimmage. And I think offensively, even with two and not 100%, uh, that uh, if they can block them up front, and I expect Alabama's offensive line to, to still be able to stalemate them pretty good, that uh, Alabama can move the football on Mississippi State and get 500-plus yards. I'm sorry, I just don't see Mississippi State as being a huge threat. But uh, – but now, finally, uh, William, I, how do you expect this uh, to affect recruiting? I know we've already talked about Ismail Sopsher, and, you know, from Amity, Louisiana. I'm hearing more and more positive things about him going to Alabama. I know you've heard the same. But uh, just uh, going forward now uh, that uh, we've hit November, this is the, the stretch, the last stretch until the early, early signing period. What are your thoughts on uh, how this, this uh, win over LSU can – uh, help boost Alabama in the recruiting department. Well, you know, Drew, this won't be popular, but um, you know, I've I've never lived my life to be a popular person. Uh, you know, my my point in this whole deal is this, and this won't be a a, a PR management um, win, so to speak. But you know, there's a lot of, of positive vibes out there this weekend after Clay Webb. Um, visited Clemson for the second time. There's a lot of people that think that's where he's going to end up. And, mm -hmm. you know, my take on it is this, like we talked about, um, you know, when, when you go out there and you field an offensive line that has five offensive guards uh, trying to play all five positions, you end up with a Tennessee-style football team. You end up with a LSU-style football team. Or you even end up with a Auburn-style football team. Um, you know, you and I talked about the fact that uh, your homeboy up there from, from uh, Huntsville, Austin Troxel, um, could not play um, right or left tackle in the SEC. Um, he's proven that over and over again in his limited action for Auburn this year. And th that's the same way I feel about Clay Webb. Um, give me Evan Neal. Um, don't use that extra scholarship to take another offensive guard or a center. Alabama has plenty of them. Uh, go get Sosher and go get Ica um, from uh, from Utah. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think if they were able to peel, you know, 20 pounds off of, uh, um, you know, Ica, you, you could have another Deron Payne or maybe even a Quinn Williams. Um, right. That, that kid's that good. So, you know, that, that's where they're at right now from a recruiting standpoint. You know, spots are limited. Um, it's going to be really fun and interesting to see how this plays out with the limited spots and, and so many people um, wanting to become a part of this Alabama recruiting class. I think it's going to end up being, you know, maybe not quite as good as the 2017 class, but it's going to be close. Um, if they can close with, with a lot of these guys that they've got. And I think that's where 
you know, Nick Saban's uh, magic comes into play. I've never seen a, a, a college football head coach that can reload a position in one recruiting class like he can. You know, he did it last year with the DB class. Um, you know, go back and watch all the, I guess, nine games this year, Drew, and um, how many times do you see, you know, Gary Danielson talking about Patrick Sertain? He's not mm-hmm. talking about him because that guy mm-hmm. shut down the whole his whole side of the field. Um, you know, go, go back and watch and see. You know, nobody thought that Jonah Williams or Jedrick Wills were, were the top, you know, offensive tackles in each one of their respective recruiting classes. But guess what? Uh, they're both top ten draft picks. So what I want to see and what, what's really starting to come into play here is Nick Saban in Alabama, in my opinion, has the chance to sign what could possibly be the best defensive line class that's ever been signed in college football. Um, you know, with, with what they've already got on board right now, if they can keep them with what's already out there, um, you know, with Softshire and, and Ica and, you know, those two guys, I think there's really only two spots left on the defensive line class. Um, you know, I think that's going to be a priority going forward. Um, you know, they've already got a great offensive line class in place. You know, take Evan Neal, uh, call it a day. Um, you've got him and Amari Kite that are elite offensive tackle prospects. And go fill that spot, you know, with two interior guys um, that will continue to separate yourself from the rest of college football. I think both guys um, – you know, are, are great players. You know, if you if you stuck a gun to my head and said, you know, take one or the other, I, I take if Ica over Softshire. Um, yeah, I, with you, especially with you. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, I, I in a lot of ways I would too because I know Softshire has a lot of talent, but he's known as a kid that's kind of lazy that you got to keep your foot up his rear end. And I think he, you know, we've we've seen Saban mold kids like that into great players like a Deron Payne, uh, like a Raekwon Davis. Uh, you know, that were had a lot of, you know, some issues people thought coming out of high school. Uh, no, no doubt about it, like Deontay Brown on the offensive line. But uh, I, I do, I would like to see him take Ica. And, and again, they've got enough talent on the interior D-line. I mean, if Clay Webb wants to go to Clemson, it's not going to make or break Alabama. I do think Webb's making a mistake if he doesn't come to Alabama, but that's up to him. But I agree with you. If you got that open spot, that wouldn't be a bad strategy at all uh, to take both Sayuke Ica and to take, uh, you know, uh, Ismail Sopcher, uh, both. I mean, both those are elite talents. Uh, agreed. And as, as we're wrapping and here, it up, and here's, one, and here's, what, we're, here's what we're yeah. working against, Drew, is, is this. Now, ask yourself this, because this is going to be the PR nightmare, I guess, that's involved in that. And, and what, you know, the, the question that Nick Saban would have to answer would be, um, oh, here, here we go. I mean, here, here's the changing of the guard. Uh, the, the changing of the dynasty. So two years in a row, you're going to let Dabo Sweeney come into the state of Alabama and right. take um, their, their top Ross. two players each year. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this, Drew. Which one of Alabama's wide receivers, because you get into this whole debate about, oh, oh goddamn, Alabama needs a, a big, tall, wide receiver. And I can promise you, um, after watching him uh, shrink in, uh, against elite competition, I really hope Alabama doesn't take George Pickens. But let right. me ask you this. Which one of Alabama's starting four wide receivers this year? I'm talking about Jerry Judy, mm-hmm. uh, Henry Ruggs III, um, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle. Which one of those four guys would you trade for uh, Justin Ross? None. He would be fifth at best. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and so I just think, and I, and you know, and I, I agree. I, there, there, are, Pickens has talent, but the I think he has a little bit of an attitude, and he lacks speed. So I'm not sure they take George Pickens. Plus, he has, as we have talked about, a nauseum academic question. So we'll see if Alabama ultimately takes another receiver, or if they just take one. Uh, and that they're going to have options as usual. They're going to have more players than spots. But uh, you know, I, I think they could get away with only taking one wide receiver in this class and going heavier next year. Uh, but, Thomas, I wanted to bring you in as we're wrapping it up here tonight uh, real quickly. And just uh, I know you talked about the, the Alabama matching up in the playoffs, 
But uh, William and I don't think this is a great matchup for Mississippi State against Alabama, and I'm sure you agree. What are your thoughts on the matchup inside Bryant-Denny next Saturday afternoon? So you compare the Mississippi State and the LSU defense, and I think the two of them, you take the two teams' defensive strengths and you just kind of flip them. Where LSU's was certainly the secondary with a middling middling to decent front seven. Right. I think it's the exact opposite for Mississippi State. They have a Agreed. fantastic front four. I'm mm-hmm. not as I'm not as wild about their uh linebacking core, and I'm really not at all wild about their secondary. It's not that they're bad, it's just that's not their calling card. Well, okay, you have this set of situations where the front's really good, but I would put Jedrick Wills and Jonah Willis against anybody in the country on the edges and just ride with it because they'll win more than they'll lose. You you know, you kind of got to be worried about a guy like Jeffrey Simmons being able to raise some hell in the interior of the line. But the thing is, I don't have faith in the Mississippi State defensive group of cornerbacks and safeties being able to hang with the Alabama wide receivers for very long. They're not going to be able to do what LSU did and just literally play man and let and give the front enough time to get to Tua. I think they're going to go back to the stuff that we've seen work, that that we've seen Tua pick apart with softer zones, which will get into the RPO game, and Alabama will just keep on rolling. So, you know... I do think Alabama will have a slight letdown because I think they did put a lot going into Death Valley, but I think the tide keeps rolling. You know, you really have to have the total package to contain this offense. And even though LSU has a fantastic secondary and it's the best secondary that Alabama will see the entire year, you know, Alabama still had almost 600 yards of total offense. And I bet if you really wanted to push the pedal all the way down, they could have pushed over 600 and let Tua play the entire game. So I expect another performance like that. Again, being back home in the friendly confines of Bryant-Denny Stadium will have an effect. I think the team will play loose. I think the team will be rocking and rolling. And we'll be doing this show, same crazy time next week, talking about another you know, 40-point, maybe 50-point game, depending on how out of hand it got. And, I mean, I just... that. Mississippi State has great pieces, but they don't have a great unit in my mind. And because of that, Alabama's offense will be able to exploit it. And, oh, by the way, talking about the Mississippi State offense, if they can't run the ball and Alabama's rush rush defense, excuse me, is coming off their best game of the year, if Mississippi State can't run the ball, Nick Fitzgerald goes interception happy. And, you know, We've already seen Alabama be able to crush teams when the turnover battle is a push. Imagine what it'd be like if Alabama decisively wins plus three, plus four, something like that. It's just a bad matchup for Mississippi State, Drew. Yeah, I think it is. I completely agree. No doubt about it. And uh, I think uh, Alabama's going to win it and win it easily and then look ahead to getting people healthy and uh, just get through the week and play everybody against the the Citadel uh, before the Auburn comes uh, back to Tuscaloosa and Alabama can hopefully exact some revenge for last season and uh, send Gus Malzahn into another four to five loss season uh, for the Auburn Tigers and then have them have to make a difficult decision going forward about what they want to do with their program. But uh, once again, it's a great edition of BAMS Radio. I want to thank Thomas the Wizard Watts for producing it and co-hosting, and also William Barger for his outstanding uh, takes on the game against LSU, the other beat down inside Tiger Stadium, 29 to nothing. Uh, Alabama now moving to 9-0, and number one in the country, and LSU dropping to 7-2, and uh, and looking to finish strong under Coach O and go to a, a, a big bowl game, perhaps even uh, New Orleans in the Sugar Bowl, but uh, they will not be going to the college football playoff. And, uh, looking forward to next week against Mississippi State. I will be inside Brian Denny Stadium. We'll be sure to be uh, back with you, hopefully to uh, you know talk about another big Alabama win next Sunday. And we'll also talk a little basketball because I'm going to cover Alabama's first uh, regular season opener. I do think after watching them against Montevallo that they have a chance to be an NCAA team. They had a rough exhibition game against Jacksonville State, but 
I think they were working on a lot of things, and I think I saw enough positivity out of what they were doing with some of their personnel. I know Montevallo was they were completely it was a complete mismatch, but if they continue to make the, some progress in their opener against Southern Tuesday, I do think this team can be very very good and go to back to back NCAA tournaments uh, if they play the right way and the pieces fit like I think they're going to. Especially watching a young player like Kyra Lewis from here in my backyard, uh, the youngest player in the country. I think he's going to be the point guard now. I believe sooner rather than later, and really excited to see this Alabama basketball team. Uh, and then take the floor officially and continue uh, to build with John Petty and, of course, Riley Norris and a lot of local talent, a part of that program. But I uh, just wanted to thank everyone again for listening to BAMS Radio. We continue to grow our listenership. I want to thank Thomas Watts. I want to thank William Barger. I want to thank everyone for to, uh, for uh, coming and tuning into this episode. It was great for Alabama, despite the uh, hostile crowd, the just the incompetent, inept officiating, and pretty much everything going against them. Everybody wanting Alabama to lose to come out and make the kind of statement they did to completely dominate LSU and basically prove to everyone that they are the number one team in the country, I think, uh, bar none, and hopefully are going to finish out strong the rest of November. But we hope you enjoyed this episode of BAMS Radio. For my two compadres, I'm Drew Armin. Good night. We'll talk to you next week, and roll tide. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.